Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Today we continue a series of messages we've been involved in for this summer called The God of Promises. Hallowed be your name. I want to talk to you today about the God who makes us whole, the God who makes us whole. Promises are very powerful things in our lives. It's very important for us to understand the value of a promise. When someone gives you a promise, it it produces, it creates hope in your life. And we all need hope. But a promise is only as good as the promise maker. A promise will give you hope as long as you know that that promise maker has the ability to deliver on the promise and the integrity to stand behind the promise that has been made. And our God is not only a promise maker, our God is a promise keeper. He never makes a promise that he doesn't keep. He always fulfills everything that he declares he is going to do. And we learn about the promises of God by studying the pages of Scripture. We learn about the promises of God by understanding the nature of God. The more you know about God, the more you will know what God promises to you by who He is. And that's why in this series of messages, we're looking at the names of God. Because as we unpack the names of God, it allows us to understand the nature of God, who God is, and what God wants to do in each one of our lives. We've talked about Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is our victor, our banner, Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present. We've talked about Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace. Today, I want to talk to you about Jehovah Makedesh. Say his name with me, Jehovah Makedesh, Jehovah Yahweh, the I am that I am, Jehovah Makedesh, I am the God who makes you holy. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is, we need to understand the names of God. And God is so great and so majestic and so tremendous that one name is not sufficient to describe his character. And so today we're going to take a look at one of those eight compound names of God, Jehovah Makedesh. I want to share with you three things today that we learn about God from his name, Jehovah Makedesh. The first principle or the first truth that we learn is that God is holy. God is holy. The name Jehovah Makedesh is found in the book, the Old Testament book of Leviticus. There are 27 chapters in the book of Leviticus. If you've ever read this during your devotional time, you will find that the book of Leviticus contains all kinds of laws and rituals and uh, aspects concerning the worship of Israel, the moral decisions of Israel, the lifestyle, the social practices of Israel. God was preparing his people to live in the land of promise and gives them lots of laws. But the main theme of the book of Leviticus, where you find the name Jehovah Makedesh, there is one theme running through all 27 chapters, and that theme is holiness. Holiness. That our God is a holy God. Now, holiness is oftentimes thought of as a very negative word in some people's minds. Holy, that means there's certain things that God doesn't want me to do. There's, God is sort of being very rigid, things that he wants me to step away from in my life. And while that may be, may be true, and we'll talk more about that in just a few moments, you and I must understand that the concept, the term holy is not a negative term. It's actually a very positive word. It means this, to be holy, I'll give you the basic definition, means to be set apart or to be uncommon not 
affected by the common. So God is set apart. God is holy. And I'm going to use an illustration today to help us to understand what holiness is all about. What is holiness about? I have a pitcher full of water here, and I have two glasses. And if I were to invite you to the platform for some fresh water, let's say you're very thirsty today, you want a drink of water, I'm going to provide you the option of two different glasses to drink from. That glass or that glass. If you're smart and you approach this as a chocolate milk, by the way. If you're smart, you'll approach the platform and you'll not really have to think about which cup you're going to drink from, right? Because you realize that this, this cup is filled up with all kind of mud and dirt and trash. And I can see things floating on the top. I have no idea really what's in here, but it's nasty. I can tell you that. And so if you were to drink from one of these two cups, if you're smart, you'll be like me and you'll drink from this cup. I sure hope they cleaned this glass before I drank today. (laughs) What I want you to see is this is what it means to be holy or unholy. This is an unholy cup. This is a holy cup. This is an unclean cup. This is a clean cup. This is, we might say, an unrighteous, impure cup. This is a clean glass There's a difference between the two. You and I need to recognize that when it comes to God, God is pure, God is holy, God is righteous. There is no impurity in Him whatsoever. And now we discover this amazing statement that God gives us in the book Leviticus where He reveals this to us, His nature. Look at what He says. So set yourselves apart to be... To be what? holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord, Jehovah, Makedesh. I am Jehovah Makedesh. I am the Lord who makes you holy, who cleans you up. I am the God who removes the impurities from your life. So to be like God is to be holy. And so God is a holy God. What does it mean that God indeed is a holy God? It means that he has supreme power and authority because God is holy. There's no impurity in him. There's no corruption in him. There's no evil in him. He is completely powerful and has supreme authority. There is no way that God is corrupted or can be corrupted. It means also that God, his majesty is matchless. There is no one like our God. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. No one like God. Completely set apart. Different. Uncommon. And because he is holy, he can be completely trusted. Because there is no evil in him. There is no corruption in him. There is no twistedness or perversion in him. It means that any aspect of God's work in your life, of what he wants to do in or through you, you can completely trust him. We begin 
our understanding of Jehovah Makedesh, this great and beautiful name of God, by understanding that our God is holy. Say together with me, God is holy. Declare it again with me, God is holy. Here's the second principle for us today. And this is the heart, heart of my message, the second principle today. God is committed to making us holy, making us whole, and making us wholesome. I've used three words here, and all of these go together. There is no wholeness without holiness. There is no holiness without wholeness. And all of this produces wholesomeness in your life. You live a wholesome life. And so God is, here's a key word, He is committed. He's made a commitment to you and me that He wants to make us holy and whole and wholesome or to make us like Him. Now, this is a beautiful promise but it also provides to us a significant dilemma because we have a dilemma. The problem is this. What God is, we're not. Let's let that sink in for a moment. God is holy, but we're sinful. This is God. This is us. Someone's thinking, that's not me. Yeah, that's you. Okay. <laughs> it's all of us. All of us enter into the world as sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have this sinful nature. We inherited it from Adam, our forefather, and because of that we've been born in disobedience to God and rebellion against God, and we are, we are affected by sin. We live in a world of sin. We have sinful natures, and so we ourselves, we have this problem that here's God, He is holy, and here's us, we are sinful, and you can't mix the two. If I were to pour this into this, then this would no longer be this. You can't mix unrighteousness with righteousness. You can't mix unholiness with holiness and have holiness remain holiness. And so God is set apart and here we are. And the question is, how do we ever have a relationship with God? And that's why Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity. I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment of how we're able to be made holy because of what Christ came to do for us. But we must understand we've got this problem. But God promised to help us with this problem. You can never make yourself holy. You can't do it. No more than I could command that glass to clean itself. I could stand here for the next five hours and command that glass, this dirty glass, clean yourself, clean yourself, clean yourself. And five hours later, it would still be dirty. And the same is true for you and me without the grace and help of God at work in our lives. No matter what we do, we can never clean ourselves up enough to be holy, to be like God. We need something beyond ourselves. We need God to help us. And here's this promise that we find in Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. Again, we go back to it. So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice. But please notice this, for I am the Lord who makes you. Oh, when I read that, I can breathe a sigh of relief. Because what I want to be, I can't be. 
what I want to do oftentimes. Are you like me? You want to do the right thing, you end up doing the wrong thing? Are you like me? You try to do the right thing, you end up doing the wrong thing. You try, you do the wrong thing, you want to do the right thing, and you just can't ever get it right. So how will I ever be like this? And God says, look, I am the Lord. I do what? Make you. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah right there. Okay? Now, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay. I'll give you a New Testament. You ready? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace. Read these words with me. May you. Who's making you holy? The God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who will make it happen. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. So we see in this name, Jehovah Makedesh, we see that God has such a longing to have a relationship with you and me, such a desire to have fellowship with you and me, such a passionate longing to connect with us and to bless us that he took upon himself the task of making us holy, the task of making us So how does God do this? How does God make us holy? Well, there's some things that he uses in your life and my life to accomplish that work. There are ways that God works in your life to clean your glass out, to purify your life, to filter out the impurities. I'm going to share with you very quickly seven ways that God works to clean up your life, to make you and I holy. First of all, it happens through salvation. Salvation is coming to faith in Jesus Christ, putting your life in his hands, believing that he died on the cross for your sins, that Jesus rose from the grave, that he is the Savior and the Redeemer, realizing that your works will never be enough to get you to heaven, but Jesus accomplished the work on the cross by by being sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Can I ask you a question today? Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm not talking about do you go to church. I'm not talking about are you religious. I'm not talking about do you do nice things for people. I'm talking about is your name in the book of life. Do you know that you've received Jesus in your heart. Are you born again. Do you know that you've met Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Because that's where the cleaning process starts. It will never start unless you have a relationship with God. You have to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus. You can't be good enough to get to God. Jesus was your goodness for you. Paul writes to Titus and says this. For the grace of God, not what you did, but what God did, what he gave to us undeservingly. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people as those who believe. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. And I ask you today, are you saved? 
If you're not saved, today is the day you need to put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. That begins this whole process of moving you and I from this to this. Which would you prefer to be, this or this? I prefer this. How about you? And it starts with salvation. Then there's something else that needs to occur in your life. If you're going to move from this to this, there's salvation. Then second of all, there's the filling of the Holy Spirit. You and I need the power of God to move from this to this. I can't get here by myself. I need power in me that is supernatural. Because my natural is bad. How about yours? You got a natural bad like I do? We all have natural bad. It's called the flesh. And so the flesh is against God. And so my natural bad is, is, is bad. Okay. And your natural bad is bad too. And so I need the spirit. I need something that is supernatural to help me get from the bad to the good. Because I don't have the power myself to do it. Neither do you. And so God says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And notice the name of the spirit of God. He is called the Holy Spirit. So God says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And as the spirit lives in you, the spirit of God's going to work in you in such a way that you now, as a saved person, begin to get cleaned up on the inside and have the power to do what you couldn't do alone. And that's what we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. That is, if I'm going to love the way I need to love or have the joy I need to have or the peace I need to have or be as patient as I need to be or be as kind or good or faithful or gentle or self-controlled as I need to be. I can't do that by myself. I need the power of the Spirit in me. And God uses His Spirit to make me holy. I'm saved. It helps make me holy. Brings me into holiness. The power of God's Spirit makes me holiness. And then there's a third thing that Jesus uses. God uses to clean up your life. It's guidance from His Word. The Bible is a is, is, is a an agent of cleansing for your life. Did you know that? Every time you open up the pages of the Bible, you're being washed by the water of God's Word. That's what the Scripture says. It's the washing of the water of the Word of God in your life. Whether you realize it or not, as you're sitting here today, you're getting a shower. And some of you needed one when you came in, okay? You're getting a shower because God is washing you with the water of His Word. I have a little dog. His name is Tyler. And Tyler is my buddy. We have a lot of fun together. But there are times when Tyler starts stinking. But Tyler doesn't know he stinks. He runs and jumps in my lap just like always. And I'm saying, you stink. I'm going to give you a bath. He doesn't ask for a bath. He doesn't even know he needs a bath. His little tail is still wagging when he stinks, okay? But I know when he needs a bath because I smell the stench on him and he gets a bath. Many times in our lives, we don't realize we need a bath from God and we need it regularly. You better not be showering once a month. Let me just tell you that, okay? <laughs> it's better to shower in God every day of your life and certainly to shower as you come to God's house for the receiving of God's word. Guidance from the word of God. It washes us. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will 
set you free. He says in chapter 17 as he's praying to his father, talk, Jesus talking to his father, make them, that's us, holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so where, does tr- where is truth found in the word of God? And what does truth do? It makes us holy. It makes us holy. Then fourthly, how does God move you from this to this? Let me ask you, do you want to be from here to here? Amen. Do you? All three of you? That's great. Let me ask it again. Do you want to move from this to this? Amen? I don't want to be this. I want to be this. How about you? I'm not there yet, but I'm moving there. Okay? That's the direction of my life. How about yours? Okay? So if that's going to occur in my life, how does it happen? Well, the next thing that has to occur is this. We need the healing and restoration of our souls. Let me quickly explain this. I'm going to get into this much more in depth uh, next weekend and the following weekend as we talk about Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord who is our shepherd. But I'm just going to touch on this briefly today. If you have wounds inside of you and hurts inside of you that you've never brought to God, bitterness in your soul about something that's occurred in your life, anger that's hidden inside of you, uh, just things that you stuff away in your life emotionally and mentally that you pack away here, it's going to affect how you live your life. And it usually affects you for the worse. It causes you to behave in ways that are less than holy, less than honorable, less than whole or wholesome. And so God makes us holy by healing us on the inside. This is what the psalmist said. As I said, we'll talk more about this the next two weekends. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Then notice this. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Notice what comes first. He restores my soul. And then as he restores my soul, what is the natural response of that? He leads me in paths of holiness or righteousness for his namesake. So the healthier you get on the inside, the more righteousness will be possible and will be present in your life. How does Jesus move us from this to this? Here's the next thing. By the expectation of Jesus' second coming. Jesus is coming back again. No. Understand. Jesus is coming back again. He's going to return. Prophets foretold of his first coming, and Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of his first coming. Prophecies predict his second coming. Jesus is coming back again, and he can come back any day, any hour, any moment. We don't know when his return is. If you ever hear a preacher tell you, I know when Jesus is coming back again, it's on such and such a date, at such and such a time, all you need to do right then is just click off of YouTube. You don't need to watch that, okay? (laughs) And write false prophet right across that because nobody knows the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back with the exception of God the Father. God has the timetable, but it could be today. Let me tell you something. It's 10 minutes till 12 right now, 11.50 right now as I'm preaching this. If you knew that Jesus was coming back at noon today, in 10 minutes, you know what you would do? There would be a lot of repenting going on in this room right now. There would be a lot of quick getting right with God right now, okay? I mean, we'd have to stop the service. There'd be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth going on around here, okay? 
Oh, Jesus. But what if you lived every day with the feeling Jesus may come back? I need to live in recognition that Jesus might show up any time. I don't know when he's coming. I want to be ready. How about you? Okay. And so if I am expecting Jesus to come back again, if I really anticipate his coming at any time, what does that do for the way I live? It changes the way I live. John the Apostle describes this. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, when he comes back. But we do know that we will be like him, for we see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation, anticipation of his coming, all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. How do we move from the unclean to the clean, unholy to the holy? By connection with other Christian believers. You need Christians in your life. Not Christians who are named Christians only, but Christians who are seeking to follow God. Not perfect. There's no perfect Christian. But you need fellowship with other believers. That's why being in church is so important. You need this. so, so thankful for each person that's here today and each person that's watching online today. You're, you're receiving something from God. But you need something more than that. You need relationship and connection. That's why we have groups and classes and things of that nature. They're starting in the fall, just a few weeks away, to connect with other Christians so that you're being challenged by relationships with others who are following Christ as well. You're learning from them. As, as the book of Hebrews says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. The actual Greek term here is spur one another on. That's the meaning of the Greek word. When it says motivate, spur one another on to acts of love and good deeds. We can spur one another on. We can motivate one another. And then the last one I'll mention here, how does God move us from this to this? Is by us being responsive to God's correction in our lives. Let me talk about that just for a moment. Every good parent disciplines or corrects their children. Let me talk to you parents for a moment. If you're not disciplining your children, you're communicating insecurity to them. Did you hear me? If you're not disciplined, your children need boundaries. And they need appropriate consequences when they step out of boundaries so they learn how to live in boundaries. And so discipline is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And so loving parents discipline their children. They correct their children. God is the greatest, he's the perfect father. And as the perfect father, Hebrews 12 says that he corrects us, okay? Because he loves us. And one of the primary ways that God corrects you is by the inner voice of the Holy Spirit in your conscience. When you say something or do something or engage in something that God does not meet with God's approval, then he speaks to you on the inside, that little voice. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Okay. Unless you've completely shut him out, you know what I'm talking about. And God says, why did you say that? That's not pleasing to me. Why did you do that? That's not pleasing to me. And God doesn't get on your case that way because he doesn't love you. He actually gets on your case that way because he loves you, okay? because he cares about you. So can I ask you, Every person here, are you listening? When was the last time God convicted you of something? When was the last time God corrected you about something? And it's been a long time since God has corrected you about something. Chances are you haven't been listening very well. Because I need a spanking about six times a day. How about you, okay? <laughs> or more, okay? And God's on my case quite a bit because, you know, I mess up quite a bit. 
Anybody with me on that today? Okay, okay. My mouth goes off and I say something. The Lord, why did you say that? I, I don't know. And you correct it by repenting of it and by acknowledging it. And that's the way God corrects your life. And so he's, that's, that's his work to make you holy. That's how he makes you holy. Look at what it says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves as responding to God from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting. Notice what? Perfecting, working on our holiness out of reverence for God. It's not that we do it ourselves, but God convicts us. And in convicting us, we respond to him, and he uses that to clean up our lives, to filter out the garbage, and to make us more like him. Now, as God begins to work in our lives to make us holy, what's he working on? Let me quickly give you some words here to understand this. God, first of all, works in your heart on your motives. He wants to get down inside of you and to clean up the motives of your life. A motive is why you do what you do. It's not just what you do, but why you do what you do. So God comes in and says, oh, you, you may have done the right thing, but you did the right thing for the wrong reasons. You ever had found yourself doing the right things for the wrong reasons? That's your motives, okay? And so this is why the psalmist David prayed a prayer like this, create in me a clean heart, the right motives, oh God. Oh God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Let me have the right motives in my life. And then God reaches down inside of us to work on our thinking, our thoughts, because your thoughts can be corrupted. Your thoughts can be perverted. Your thoughts can be twisted. Your thoughts can be unclean and impure. And God says, I want to change the way you think. And he knows what we think, Matthew 9, verse 4. But Jesus knew what was in their minds, talking about the Pharisees. And he said, why are you thinking such evil things? So God says, let me get inside of you. and Let me clean up your motives so you're doing the right things for the right reasons. And let me get inside of you and clean up your thinking so the evil thinking can be removed. Let me also, this is going to get really close to home. The next one, are you ready for it? Are you sure? Some of you might walk out on this one. That's all right. Well, I'll boo you as you walk out, okay? Here we go. He wants to clean up your speech. Oh, I could easily get on a soapbox on this one today, but I'm not going to. Maybe a little bit. We live in such a profane culture, do we not? crudeness of words spoken. I mean, you used to be able to listen to television programs or the radio and never hear a profane word. In fact, words like that were banned from broadcast. But now you just turn on the radio or the television or a podcast or whatever it might be. Before long, you're being barraged with filth, profanity, crudeness. And I think about what's happening to our culture, just our culture, that we're lowering our standard of language so it's just common to use words like this. Have we lost our intelligence? Do we not know how to think about like a better word to use instead of something profane? You know, actually, profanity is lazy speech. It means you haven't used your brain enough to find out a better way to say it, okay? And we as Christians, please hear me today. This is not a statement of condemnation. It's something we all have to be aware of and work on. We should talk differently than the world. We shouldn't sound just like the world around us. God says, I want to get down in the way you talk, and I want to clean that up. Why? Because your tongue reveals your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth 
speaks. I've always thought it's interesting that when God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, the first thing that the Bible records when they were filled in that upper room, they began to speak in other tongues. Why? Because God says, the first thing I get a hold of in your life is your tongue. I need to change the way you talk. Look at what this says. Don't use foul or abusive language. Well, what is foul? You know what foul is. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then God gets inside of us to clean up our values and our priorities. What do you really value in life? Let me clean that up inside of you. I want you to be holy. I want you to have the same values I have and the same priorities that I have. And so I need to clean your values up and your priorities up so you can be holy. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then God says, let me clean up your choices, the decision that decisions you're making in your life. This next passage gets really close to home as well. Do everything without grumbling. There's your choices that you make. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Or we'll put another word there. What's the word? Holy. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And then God wants to get inside of your life and clean up your relationships. Are you seeing this? God says through salvation and through the filling of the spirit and through my word and through Christian believers and through all those things I described a moment ago, I want to get in there and I want to work on your motives and I want to work on your thoughts and I want to work on your speech and I want to work on your values and your priorities. I want to work on your choices and I want to work on your relationships because I don't want you to be like that. I want you to be like this. I want you to be like this. Relationships. So you can't really love without having a purified heart. The Bible says now that you purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. So love, sincere love, deep love from the heart requires us to be purified where? In our heart. Be made holy. These are choices and decisions that we make in our lives to let God work in these areas. God is committed to making you holy. He's committed to making you whole. He's committed to making you wholesome. Why? Because being this kind of person, a holy person, is living the way that is best to live in life. The best way to live is to live like God, to be like Him. Here's my final point, and this is going to be very, very brief. God can be trusted to, say it with me, complete his work in us as we cooperate with him. God is Jehovah Makedesh, the God who makes us holy and whole and wholesome. It's a promise. And if we cooperate with God, he'll work incredible miracles in us to go from this to this is a miracle. Amen? That's a miracle. And God promises to do this for you. How do we know that God, he'll do this work in you. How do we know that? 
And I am sure, Philippians 1, 6, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. The Bible says, I am sure, Paul says, that God who began the good work in you, what will he do? He'll keep right on helping you to grow in his grace. Dear one, let me tell you today, God started a work in you. He's not going to quit. He started a work in you. He's not going to quit. God, hear me, God will not give up on you. Let me say it again. Please hear this. You may give up on God, but God will never give up on you. Several years ago, Corey Asbury wrote a song that we've sung here many times as a church. We haven't sang it in a while. It's an amazing song, tremendous song. It became very popular. It's a song that talks about the reckless love of God. I want to read you a portion of that as we're concluding today. In the bridge of that song, Corey Asbury writes these words. There's no shadow you won't light up. No mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Are you thankful for this this morning for the love that will never let you go? Amen. The love that will never let you go. It chases us down, fights till we're found, leaves the 99. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray today? Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who is our sanctifier, the Lord who makes us holy. We come before you today in gratitude, appreciation, thanksgiving for that promise from your word that you'll never stop working on us, Lord. So many times we look at our life and we seem so filthy, so dirty, and we're aware of all the gunk and junk in us. But Lord, thank you that you promise that you're not going to give up on us. Help us to cooperate with you, Lord. May something from today's message stick with us, not just for the next hour or two or day or two or week or two, but Lord, for the rest of our lives, may something that's been said today have a cleansing impact upon our life that will change us and move us more toward your nature and your character. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. 
I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.